Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing the US electoral system. Um, and unusually, because of the lockdown, the new lockdown, uh, we are recording this remotely. Nick, U.S. electoral system. Why is that on your mind? Well, it's. Uh, I don't know if you. I don't know if you've been following the news recently, but there's what they call an election happening mm. in the United States. A presidential election, along with, I guess, um, part congressional. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think I think that's right. Um, but it's the presidential side of things. I think we want to discuss here mm. because the U.S. electoral system seems, on the face of it, to be quite weird. It's not. I don't think it's well understood here, actually, in, in the UK, possibly not in the US either because of the way that the ballot papers are designed. But it, it, no American votes for the president. That is not how it works. Um, mm. They vote for these one time only electors. Mm. The electors then get together uh, in the state capital, wherever the um, the state is, uh, is sort of uh, hosting the election. Um, and then they vote for the president. So there's a kind of strange uh, sort of indirect method that mm. people use to vote for the president. Now, in, it is increasingly the case that on the ballot papers, it tells you the name of the president who you will effectively end up with. But that's certainly not how it was originally. Mm. Originally, you did vote for the elector and you trust and kind of trusted them to make a decent decision. Um, that was the idea, you know, that the the electors were the people who would um, decide who the president would be. Now that uh, exists these days in kind of name, as it were, you know, in 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 the process still involves uh, voting for electors, but um, but now uh, it, it effectively, uh, in almost all cases, people vote for an elector knowing who that elector will vote for. Now, uh, then, what happens is the when the electors have decided for their state who they want as president in almost every case all of the votes for that state um will be cast for that president mm. and that explains why um the coverage of the u.s electoral uh, the u.s president election is uh so seems from our perspective to be so weirdly focused on these regions these key regions you know the sort of florida why why do we care about a percent or two in florida well it's because whoever wins you know 51 percent of the electors in florida gets a hundred percent of the votes in in what's misleadingly called the electoral college because another thing is that doesn't exist the electoral college doesn't exist what well, they don't meet anywhere um, what happens is they write down who they've chosen as president. Should their choice of uh, of who the president should be um, is sent to various people, one of whom is the president of the Senate, who uh, assembles them all together and counts them uh, in, in during a session of Congress to declare the winner. And that that but that process happens um, it, on January the sixth. So uh, the the election, um, mm. the results of the election are really unknown on the night um mm. but to some extent but in fact the 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 president isn't really actually voted for officially till the 6th of january so it's it's quite weird i mean it's extremely weird the way that the uh, americans vote for their president kind of explains the 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 strange way that it's it appears to be covered from our perspective and um 
so and and uh, not i mean understandably gets a bit of a bad press um there are some really weird uh, um, corollaries, one of which is that because of the way that the, the electoral college votes are given out to states, which is a kind of mashup of historical things and and vague principles about mathematical relations, the, uh, you, you end up with quite a lot of difference in, in how much um, sort of how many people uh, in different states constitute one electoral college vote. So in Wyoming, they get mm. one electoral college vote for every 200,000 people. But in California, they only get one vote for every 700,000 people. Mm. So, so really, people in Wyoming get sort of um, three and a half times more representation in their, their votes are effectively weighted three and a half times more than people in California. Um, so it's um, it's a very odd system anyway it gets a lot of bad press and i thought we might we might get together and try and put the case for the defense so it's all about it's about waiting isn't it it's to it's to it's yeah, if, to... If, if you had one state one vote then people in small states would have massively more yeah. representation yeah, yeah, Delaware, yeah. but does that from... still mean can you can you wait it and not have to go through the rigmarole of having elect an, an elector yeah, yeah, yeah. so why don't they for example call me mad but why don't they just vote for their president like that seems like the obvious system yeah where you write down which person you want to be president and they count them up and the person who's got the most votes wins and do that nationwide essentially right, right. one yeah. person one vote yeah the popular vote is just is simple, yeah. simply that and, and that's i think that's what we thing. want to talk about yeah because um, uh, so the, just to, to finish off the preamble really yeah um I mean, the issue of um people winning without the popular vote is clearly, I think that's sort of propelled this to a, to a matter of concern. And, and the, you know, that's happened a, quite a lot in recent years. Um, the um, It's happened actually several times. Rutherford Hayes, 1876, John Quincy Adams in 1824, but that was because um, I think someone someone died at the wrong time and, and uh, they had to do something different. Um, Donald Trump, uh, who, uh, where the, the, two percent two percent margin against him in terms of the popular vote but one um benjamin harris in 1888 and george w bush uh 2000 also lost the popular vote so in the last 20 years we've had two presidents um mm. who have won the presidency despite losing the popular vote and 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 um regardless of you know even if you're a republican you you, you must concede that there is something um that that's potentially problematic yeah um, and the second point, I mean, I'm sorry, Peter, I'm, I want to come to you, but I think the second point is it's not just elections where I find uh, the US system of government, you know, a little bit complicated. And it feels a little bit sort of over-designed and over-tinkered with. That's how it comes sometimes can feel to me. Um, and I know that this sort of system of checks and balances actually can just translate into paralysis um, a lot of the time, mm. it feels. Um, but anyway, um, uh, Peter. Well, I, I, yeah, I think why it seems so uh, kind of complicated and intractable is because it's all written down that they have a constitution and they have right they have the law they have law which basically describes how all this stuff works. Whereas in mm. the UK we don't; it's much more kind of ad hoc. Um, mm. So it seems complicated because it's you can you've somewhere somewhere so, somewhere someone has written it down and you you can find it and. A, a good lawyer in the US will understand how all of this works and they, they can use it to their advantage. Um, 
But going, I think it might be interesting and fun to explain some of the history of why the system works as it does. Yeah. Because um, yeah. uh, it, it is, it, it, it may, it kind of makes sense from from a historical standpoint. Mm. But also explore, you know, why don't they just change it? Um, mm. there's, there's there's good reasons for not doing it from a technical point of view, but also from a sort of practical point of view in terms of like the difficulty of getting that change through. The part, their 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 legal system in order to make mm. make that change actually happen, but the uh, so but the, the the system was was initially laid down by the founding fathers, uh, and it was sort of established in um, 1788, and the the whole idea of this electoral system, rather than a direct proportional system, um, was to to deliberately tr take some of the electoral ele ele electing power from. The big from the, the the big population centers, um, because if 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 you had a truly proportional representation system, the very rural states uh, in the in the in the south and in in the sort of Midwest would have very very little voting power over quite yeah. important policy that would affect how how they lived and how they how they operated. Um, so that's that's really that's really the crux of why it is how it is is that you have um, you have uh, one. Uh, one um, uh, elector, the five hundred thirty-eight electors in total. You have one per member of the House of Representatives, which is the lower house, mm. and then two per senator, which is the higher house. And then there are there are there's a, a funny little um, sort of amendment. In fact, it's the twenty second amendment to the Constitution, which means that the District of Columbia, i.e., Washington D.C., has mm. an extra two. Sorry, it has an extra three um, votes. For historical reasons, um, so it's it does seem unnecessarily sort of complicated, but it, what it does do is it it prevents New York, uh, Philadelphia, Boston, the just big riding roughshod over less from, populated yeah, areas. Exactly. So yeah. that's sort of that's the argument, is it, for why they they uh, people in the more rural states effectively have more say? Is to cap? Is that? So it's the, the waiting because I don't really understand. I mean, if there's more people in the city, it feels a bit like to me. Well, they should have more say anyway because there's more of them. Yeah, but it's, but, it's, yeah. it's to do it's to rebalance the difference of priorities. The people living in the city don't care about ranching and quality of fences and quality of rural roads. They care about railways and they care about industry and they care about and abolishing slavery and that kind of stuff and abolishing slavery and all that sort of thing. So yeah, so it's so it's to sort of ensure that you have. A, a, a greater than proportional representation of rural affairs in okay. in in, do, in the houses. Do the electors for each state um, have to vote in the same way? So uh, that's that's a good question. No, it's complicated. So the different states have different rules about how the election can and should be conducted. More or less, it's just it is they have common rules. So everywhere is a secret ballot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but some some vote, some states allow postal voting um some votes don't some states don't um it's it's more complicated and, and nuanced uh, yeah they, they actually the, the question i think your it was your question about block voting because that's the yeah that's, that's the really what i meant so I, say... there, I think there are only a couple of states that don't do block voting but in in nearly all states the person who gets the majority of the electors in that state um effectively gets all of the votes from gotcha. that state now, yeah. now that also points to another another potential rationale for this which is that at the moment um you know if you were to have an entirely one person one vote system in the US to select the president it would underrepresent the interests of states um 
if you are able as a state to block vote, then you become more important. So it's a way of it's a way of um, you're sacrificing potentially the interests of, you know, a minority of people in your state to have more say. You know, people want to appeal to California and New York more because they have more votes in the Electoral College. And and that's that that wouldn't happen if it was one person, one vote. You know, every New Yorker would count the same as everyone in you know New Hampshire. But the the, the point about, um, you know, block voting is it. Do you, do you know about the secret, the secret, uh, the secret caucus system? No. Well, it's a it's a uh, it's a method of how you can use block votes to get to get your own way cheekily. Oh. So let's imagine that there's um, nine, nine people. Right. We're, we're part of a group of nine people. They've all got to choose which pie to have for dinner. Mm. Um, so uh, now we get together and, and, and we all, we kind of agree that what we'll do is we'll just vote among the three of us. Right. For which pie, chicken or beef. And mm. as it happens, Peter and I favor the chicken and you favor the beef. But we say, well, we'll use we'll, uh, the three of us will be a block vote. And we'll go in and what we then do is link up secretly with another two people and we pretend to them that we'll have a little block vote of the five of us. Right. And and we'll use that block vote to completely determine the outcome of the vote of the nine. So so in our five, we block vote for the beef and then the mm. other two people who are in our secret our secret caucus well they think they're in the secret caucus. they're not because we're the real real secret caucus inside that caucus uh we all go in and everyone block votes for the beef but effectively the three of us have managed to determine the votes of all nine of the pie choosing committee by a series of successive block votes um but what you didn't know fraser was that me and peter secretly chose in advance that exactly. we both wanted the beef and we used mm. you as an instrument to do that um that's the, that that is the that's the power of block voting anyway it gives you a, a it gives you much more power to be able to um influence things so that's that so that that is a that's the rationale for i think why that why most states do it so it's only yeah it's only two it's in nebraska and maine that uh right. that operate um don't operate block voting i was gonna say as famously that's how um adolf hitler got the whole of um, germany eating chicken mm. pie but anyway that's a <laughs> Different, different thing. Um, so, um, yeah, where are we? So, I mean, well, so actually, there's a few other things which are a bit more human, I think. Um, I, I think Peter's outlined the, the sort of um, the historical rationale. There are a few things, you know, people have re obviously revisited this. And um, in the in the um, sort of early 19th century, I know there's a, a sort of discussion about what um, obviously one of the things that the American Constitution designed against is uh, you know, coming entirely out of that historical American experience of sort of being of con being concerned by oh, too much power being given to to, to a small number of people oh. is um, one of the things, and I think this is a really good thing, uh, and I, it totally makes sense to me, is that um, the reason that they have they, so the one original plan was to have the Congress elect the president, but oh. but then they they sort of realised that actually we better to have these one time voters these electors because they then they would not be subject to any un, undue influence or at least it would be much harder for them to be subject to any undue influence because they'd have no um they'd have no um you know ability to do anything other than that one that one thing um and um uh, it, it's also supposed to it was supposed to sort of reduce 
factionalism because they 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 wouldn't be there'll be less opportunity for the electors to yeah. kind of get together and intrigue and so on and the, um, the, but, and uh, and, hist- and an interesting sort of historical uh, aspect is the the reason that the the the, the it takes so long it takes until january for the president to be fully sort of sworn in and things is that the, the, that time was given for them to travel from their di- far and distant mm. state uh, to washington uh, to to be present at the uh, in the senate to be counted, and the the and until uh, more recent times, where it's, the electors are actually selected by the party, so that you can more or less guarantee that they're going to vote a certain way, um, they they were just independents. They were sort of like members of a jury. Um, they were, I think, they were, they were all officials, but they were they were all independents. And the mm. idea was that they that in that time that they travelled to January, it gave them time to read the newspapers and to hear all the gossip. That, that might sway their actual vote about the the individual candidate. Mm. Um, so they're out of con. They're no, they're no longer have being bre- have you know having, having the candidate breathing down their neck in the, in their given state. They're kind of out of the system, and they've got time to reflect on what their what their actual vote is. So if they discover something that they are unpalatable about their candidate, they can they can change their mind. I wonder yeah, if that so, did so there is a, anyway. And Nick, so there sorry, is a, can... there's a paternalistic element to this, and I think that's part of it. Is is the thought that the point is the electors have access to information that the general public doesn't have, yeah. and will make better decisions. And I, and and I think ultimately now the problem is at the moment now people do actually there's this thing called faithless electors where they where they where they vote for someone other than the person they're supposed to vote for but it's very very rare it is effectively on rails you know that they are kind of more or less obliged these days to vote for the person who they're supposed to vote for but the original intention was that they they would just be better informed better at deciding stuff and you you know you would vote for an elector who who you had confidence was good at making those sorts of decisions but they were, you know, their main concern was to was to was against the, you know, this kind of fear of populism. Um, mm. The point is, the electors were supposed to be a bulwark against against um, against a populist, you know, president who was good at whipping up support but bad at making policies. Now, thank goodness that's never happened. But yeah, um, but, yeah. but you know, in a way, I think that being a key concern of the of the people who design this system. That is probably the biggest casualty of the way it's evolved. And I, and I think so probably one of the main reasons it's like this, it's really not able to, to do, which is to, to block, um, you know, to, to, ma- to make a sensible kind of policy based decision, I guess, that we have really gone or the US has really gone down the route of, of trying to be as representative as possible in, in terms of the system, you know, to represent the wishes of the people, but not necessarily, I would say, the interests of the people. Yeah. In, in, um, uh, just, uh, just an aside that there are most states, I think, um, actually impose uh, a fine on the elector who does not uh, vote the way that they're sort of obliged to to vote based on the vote based on the public five, vote. Five dollars or something. Uh, <laughs> it probably varies, but yeah, they, they, yeah. They, it, it's it's bad form. And it's yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. uh, codified in legislation. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there there is possibly an argument to say that okay, people, I know people, uh, particularly on the left, really have it in for Donald Trump and see him as a kind of monster, but you can get a lot worse than Donald Trump, and um, you know, and I and I suppose the feeling is in much the same way that the Queen would never um, would never go against the wishes of Parliament, but in theory can, you know. Um, and hold things up at least until they can abolish the monarchy. Uh, the, 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 the electoral college could stand in the way of, you know, a genuine Hitler 
Yeah, uh, I suppose that's the theory. Um, look, we're, we're most of the way through, actually. Um, but that being the case, um, a couple of questions. I mean, first of all, I think we need to sort of talk a little bit more about, you know, defense of what seems like a complicated system. And we've already gone some way down that. I like the way it, yeah, there's an element of that it smooths out the distribution uh, of power. And so, you know, um, heavily densely populated areas don't get overrepresented. So that's sort of one thing. So, um I've got two questions. First of all, is there any any more defences that we can offer? Um, secondly, just as a query, I don't know if you know this, is there any call for electoral reform in the US? Is it an issue or is it just... It's oh, just a, it's, yeah. Big, it, yeah, big issue. Um, Tell us about I mean, what do you know about this side of things, Peter? Uh, so it, it, it's a hot topic every single election and, and in, in between elections. Um, uh, there have been... I think in in history since it's been in place, there have been over seven hundred amendments proposed, and that's so that's not just like an idea that's actually gone to for discussion in 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 the Senate, um, mm. uh, with a few a few only a handful being accepted. Um, so it, it, it's it, it's constantly up for debate, uh, and the reason one of the main reasons certainly in in twenty first and twentieth century is it's, it, because it's very divisive. Um, the 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 electoral college system. Um, if change would have very difficult, different, uh, different outcomes for the overall result of the election. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, the, it really, it's a part, it's often a partisan issue. It's which, which particular kind of a uh, system you would you prefer to, to use. Yeah. Um, uh, it's probably worth just delving slightly into the, why, why isn't it changed more frequently? Um, uh, aside from, you know, the, the partisan issue, um, uh, it is it's hard it's politically very difficult to get any changes through any constitution any constitutional change requires a two-third approval rating in both houses mm -hmm. um uh, for for it to pass plus a 30 38 states need need to all, all ratify it independently so mm -hmm. it's it you you have to have like a uh, a very a, a fairly overriding reason that everyone agrees with in order to get any kind of any kind of significant change through and and i guess you've kind of hinted at it there a bit, a bit as, as, as well as those structural sort of built-in um hindrances is that any electoral system in the world um has problems with reform because it's that turkeys don't vote for christmas thing right if you're in power and you've come to power because of that system well you think well i quite like that system it's a fair system it's the right system you know um so um yeah can we turn to this question of you know what other defenses can we offer other than that it sort of you know the what we've already said that it helps spread out representation well like um, or we could talk about how we what i might an idealized electoral system look like yes yeah, so yeah, yeah go for it just go on then um so what might an idealized uh, electoral system look like well i, I think i i actually don't <clears throat> i'm not sure there is one and i i think the, the there's quite a lot there's some there's quite a bit of sort of mathsy theory about voting systems um which uh you know so there, there's there's a thing called arrows impossibility theorem which is specifically about when you're ranking alternatives as a group and you you know, you, you, nothing satisfies t these two very simple criteria. It's a bit involved. I don't want to go into it. It's also not something you actually particularly need to worry about, but it just shows that actually there isn't an idealized voting system, which kind of fulfills two quite intuitive criteria. Um, there's also, there's a thing called the Condorcet paradox, where you can show that a group of people can um, collectively, if they rank their preferences, can can sort of end up with this weird transitive ranking where A is preferred to B and B is preferred to C, but C is also preferred to A. Um, mm. And so you 
you know, you there's a lot of theory about it. But but I think in real life, you know, we've got to look at um, what works in practice. And you can see that, you know, actually, uh, we every, in most countries, we have this we have this kind of winner takes all sort of presidential type system where you have the leader. And then we have some other kind of slightly more representative party type system, you know, where you vote for a party and that 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 is represented, you know, percentage wise. Um, it, now. There's it's possible to imagine having having things like, well, why why do we have to have why do we have to have a president? Why couldn't we have a presidential committee where, you know, people people were represented on that committee according to the number of votes, you know, cast for each party, for example. Um, and, and instead of taking a person and mm. letting that person make decisions, you simply, um, you know, split that person out into 10 other people and they make decisions collectively, which are then enacted. Why not? Right. I mean, it's just a decision machine. Yeah. That's one one possibility. But I, but, I, I, you know, all of these things, any system is going to have this persistent trade off between representativeness and effectiveness. And that seems to be the big issue. It's like the debate about, you know, it, the sort of first past the post versus, um, P, you know, proportional representation is um, proportional representation is a bit fairer. You know, more people's votes are represented, but it gets less done. It's harder to generate. Um, it's harder to generate, uh, you know, kind of a force for change. And um, it's easier to oppose any particular measure it's there's a lot more consensualism that has to go on um and I, so i i think in a way you know and this is totally apart from the problem of well is are, are people actually voting in their best interests you know there's plenty of evidence that people vote based on factionalism made worse because we have this party system which you know didn't exist when the founding fathers were putting together the uh, constitution voters vote on things like looks and how deep someone's voice is uh, I, I think that I think deep down, the closer you look, you know, the problem is is there. The problem is that actually we're, we're not going to design a system which produces the best leaders, uh, whatever, however it works, if people are going to make stupid choices at the, yeah. uh, in the ballot. The, the only answer is to get rid of the humans from the process and, and uh, hand everything over to an AGI who will uh, be, hopefully be a benevolent overlord. Hopefully. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I think Chile tried that, didn't they, in the 70s with, with, with Stafford Beer, you know, kind of designed a computerized system which would which would uh, run. So it was a sort of modern way of running a communist country. But like all communist countries, it didn't, you know, it didn't. Uh, there were sort of fundamental problems that meant yeah. it didn't work. Yeah. But no, I, I think I, I'm, I'm going to stick up for a constitutional democracy here. Uh, sorry, a constitutional monarchy. Mm. I actually think there is something to be said for having a president for life like we have uh mm. in the queen now i know that in real life the queen has no power but effectively she is constitutionally a president of life we need the prime minister doesn't exist you know we we vote for the uh, we don't vote for a prime minister the job of a prime minister is very kind of badly it's not terribly well defined in the constitution um you know people in the u.s might be surprised to know that we don't vote for a prime minister um he's just an mp who other mps yeah. rather like and, and that system is a little bit more i think like i suspect what the founding fathers had in mind um when they thought we the best people to decide who the leader is going to be is going to be one of the one of the politicians um so i think you know i think i think it you know yeah as i said it's a trade-off and the big problem is that we're not going to fix the, the the issue which is voters mm. and i yeah yeah and actually yes uh, another sort of plug for a uh, constitution uh, sorry for a parliamentary um for a constitutional monarchy is i, I like that having a uh, 
the, the fact that your head of government and your head of state are two different people, I think mm. that's quite valuable sometimes. Um, and yeah, if you get a good one, if you get a good monarch, and I think the the, the queen, uh, now current queen, Elizabeth II, I think she's a good monarch. And that sort of stability and having that for a long time is quite nice. Yeah. Um, and also so a point you made once before, Nick, um, on another podcast is if you've got two houses in the legislative that, you know, that with the upper house, the, there's no point electing it because you've kind of already done that with the lower one and, you know, just fill the, the top one with the great and the good. Um, and if you can all kind of, if different governments can all, successive governments can all kind of trust each other, you know, consecutively, then as long as that house doesn't get full of ancient um Hereditary reactionary <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's maybe a working program anyway i'm rambling i'm rambling look we need to finish off we need to stop before we finish off anything to say anything well, peter to must have off? a blockchain based system which will fix democracy <laughs> no no it's it it, it it is a trade-off and as soon as you as soon as you make the collective decision to give people the vote then uh, it, it's uh, shit's going to get real. It gets, <laughs> gets complicated and messy because people are complicated and messy. Um, you, you heard it here first from Aleph Insights, uh, or rather from the Cognitive Engineering podcast. That people, what was it? People are messy. Did you say complicated, complicated. and messy? Yeah, yeah. The, from the crooked timber of humanity, no straight thing was ever made. I'm very nice. Where was that from? I like I that. Can't name. remember. Is it Emmanuel Kent or something? something we'll like find that. it and put it in yeah. the show notes. Um, right, we'll wrap up there. Uh, thank you, as always. By the way, being messy and complicated, whatever it was, I think you're just influenced by the fact that you're in baby world at the moment, Peter. Um, that's why everything's that, so That is messy and complicated. Yeah, um, yeah. There we go. All right. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Peter Coyle and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.